Welcome to the Oakland Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Randy Bain. It's our prayer that this message encourages you and strengthens you. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org.
And then they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Matthew 2, 11. It's kind of interesting, after the Christmas Eve service, we had some guests from other churches, of course, you know. And one of them afterwards came up to me and says, you taught me something I'd never heard before. You know, that whole deal about the lamb's cloth and the swaddling clothes. And, and there's such a wide interpretation about all of that. And there is so much literature out there about the lamb's cloth. And I said, well, I said, when I first heard that a few years ago, I thought that's too good to be true. That's some preacher just smoozing it over to make it fit. But then I said, then I started researching it. There is an abundance of material about that. And, and so uh, Christmas Day, I think it was after everybody left, and it was Darlene and I, we had this dinner all cleaned up and everything, we kind of sat down for a moment. And I said, we can watch the Chosen mo show, or the movie, or the one episode where uh, Jesus is born. And so we clicked, I clicked it on, uh, how you get that on, but I got it on, and, and we watched that, and, and it was complicated because it was a, a flashback uh, or a flash ahead or whatever. It had the birth narrative and the story of Mary and Joseph and the manger and the stable and all of that. But then it also had Mary Magdalene coming to visit the aged Mary, the mother of Jesus, at Lazarus's house. Okay? And, and so it was, was kind of hard to like keep track. Like, who is this? Who is that? Well, that's Mary. Well, really? And she's an old lady and a young lady. But what, what, what caught me about that, and of course, in that passage, just a connection with that, is uh, Mary uh, gives a box to Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and she said, I have this box for you. She goes, this is the lamb's cloth that I wrapped him in, and I kept it all this time. And you know, Mary Magdalene's like, oh, I can't have that. I tell you, you need to have this. But when Mary and Joseph get to the, main, the stable, uh, Mary said, well, the innkeeper's wife said, there are lamb's claws here and they are clean. She guarantees they are clean. And like, just kind of all those connections with Christmas Eve and then hearing this couple talk to me about that and seeing that. But something happened, and it, and it connects, I think, with this sermon, uh, is the word ichthus. Ichthus was the, is the word for fish in Greek. And it was kind of the, the whole sailor and fisherman motif was kind of a code for Christians during the Roman Empire. And so if you were going to be persecuted for being a Christian, you didn't claim to be a Christian, you claimed to be a fisherman. And there was always this connection. Anchors were symbols and all this stuff. And the fish became a symbol because ichthus actually means something. And so in the, in the Chosen show, I can't believe I'm actually sharing a story from Chosen, <laughs> oh well. But, but anyway, the when, when they come, they're trying to secretly get into Lazarus's house and bring this, secretly bring Mary Magdalene in. And, and so the guy goes to the door and knocks, and he, they use these code words like, or, who are you? Or they give them some word about traveling, or, you know, it's just some of these secret words. And, and so finally, the guy at the door, the guy went like this, and you can show the next slide. And he did this with his foot in the sand, like that. The guy opens the door and looks out, and he takes his foot and then goes like this. Next slide. That was their secret sign that, okay, you know I'm a Christian, I know you're a Christian. And, and this fish symbol became a symbol. So here, here's the word uh, in, in Greek. Next slide. It is, it is the word... Uh, uh, well, that actually stands, it's, that's Greek for it, that's I-C-H-T-H-U-S, -H -H 
U.S. Is the, the, if you were going to make it in English. You know, the iota, chi, chi, theta, epsilon, a capital epsilon, a U, looks like a Y in Greek. That's just what it is. And then the S, sigma, when it, it looks like that in a capital letter. But ictus, and if you, what does ictus mean? Well, the reason they use that, because the I is how you spell Jesus' name in Greek. There is no J in Greek, so it's Iesus. And, and, then the, and then the chi would be Christ. And then the theta is God for the, for, for the name Theos. Uh, uh, Christ would be, you know, Christo, Theos. Weos is the word for son. That's the Upsilon. Uh, weos and Savior starts with Sigma, you know, Soterio. So, so, so it's like the word Ictus is an anagram for Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. So so they just gravitated to that and they kept that symbol. Well, as I would look at these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, we see this same symbolism. You know, on the one hand, I think, well, why did why did why is that in Matthew's gospel? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. I said, well, because that's the gifts that they had. You know, it's just reporting the facts. But nothing is in the Bible by chance. Amen? There's always a meaning and intention by the, by the Spirit of God. And, and so there is definitely some symbolism, and we have caught it. Uh, we sang in the, uh, the carol, or the hymn, We Three Kings. Verse 2 says, Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, Gold I bring to crown him again, King forever, ceasing never, Over us all to reign. So let's first talk about the, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> there, there's the first verse, a uh, second verse. Uh, and, and now let, let's talk about the gift of gold. And as I think about that, it, it really, uh, gold is, is money. It's your possessions. It's valuable things in your life. And, and as I think about that, uh, I think about kings, we're, we're not really familiar with kings, right? I mean, we're, we, we have government. Which is probably be our closest thing, not the president, but I meant the government system is really our king. And and two two part one, we are subjects to that government, just as we would be subject to a king if we had a king. And then they are responsible for taking care of us. I mean, I mean, a king was a good thing in some time. I mean, the king owned all the land, the people lived on the land, and the king took care of the people. And what did the people do? The people paid tribute to the king. Do you guys pay tribute to our king? Well, yeah, you guys pay taxes, right? I mean, you know, depending on how much you make and all that details. But as I think about the gold, it reminds me of, of the idea of paying tribute to the king. And it represents, the gift of gold represents Jesus as king. The word Jesus Christ, Christ is actually the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. Messiah means the anointed king. And we know Jesus is the anointed king forever. You know, and that's what we sing, stopping never over us all to reign. And so, so what about the tribute we pay to Jesus? We want to talk about gold. Well, I, for us in the church, it's the tithe. You know, somebody said, well, tithe? What, I mean, tithe, is, tithe literally means 10%. And, you know, and we believe, I believe, uh, and I think most of us believe, um, as shown by our offerings, that the tithe is the minimum contribution we should make, and, and 10% of our income. And I know people will come to me and say, well, is it 10% of the gross income 
what you make or 10 percent of what you get take home well my 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 quick answer is it doesn't matter whatever you want to tie on but then i will say who do you put first the government or god if you put the government first well then you give your taxes to the government and you pay on what's left you tithe on what's left if you put god first right you tithe on the big amount and and the, the, the government gets their second um, sex, third thing about the tithe is, uh, is, is how much do you want God to bless? Do you want him to bless the big amount or to bless the little amount? Wow. You know, because he promises to bless. And, and here's where it gets a little hard. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm going to be a little hard. Matthew 3, 8 through 10 talks about the tithe. It says, will anyone rob God? How can you rob God? He says, you rob me by not giving your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the entire nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and then put me to the test to see if I won't open the windows of heaven and give you a blessing that will overflow. So we can rob God. And, and here, here I want to challenge us a little bit. How much money do you spend on Christmas? And I know some families have a... We've never done that. I, I, wish, I think Darlene and I should do that. We haven't really talked about it. But I know some families that will adopt another family. And they say, whatever I spend on my kids, I will spend on another kid. And so if you're spending $1,000 on your kid, and, you know, don't chuckle, people do that, well, then that means you'd have to spend $1,000 on someone else. So all you do is you cut back, and you only spend 500 on your kid. And then you spend 500 on another kid someone else's kid that needs needs it. I mean, that, that's a whole different picture of Christmas, isn't it? But then, let me give you one more picture of Christmas. If you're not tithing, here's the hard part. If you're not tithing, then you are robbing God, and you are pieing your Christmas presents with money you have stolen from God. Wow. Uh -oh. I'll just let you think about that. That's good. That's kind of scary to me. If this talks about the gold gift, talks about Jesus being king. Is he king of your life? Do you, do you serve him? Do you pay tribute to him? Do you, have you given your life to him? That's the gold. Gold for Christ the king. The lordship of Christ. Whereas he is who born king of the Jews was the question. And, and they had to decide who, who is their lord. Second third verse of We Three Kings says, Frankincense to offer I have, incense owns a deity nigh. I don't know how our language works together, but prayer and praising, voices raising, worshiping God on high. Frankincense is an offering for a king. Remember the Ichthus? Jesus Christ, Son of God. Isn't that what the promise the angel gave to Mary? The one that's born in you will be known as the Son of God. This, this is God. Worship, praising, praying to him. It says that the wise men, it says they worshipped him. The literal, literal Greek says they fell down prostrate before him. You can imagine these highfalutin kings and science, this whole caravan of wise men come and here the little baby is. He's actually a child, right? He's two years old. He's in a house. That's what the scripture says. And they, you know, these, these people paying 
homage to him by laying down, prostrate before him. He is God. Frankincense, frankincense itself, and you've probably heard this a hundred times, is a hardened gum-like resin that comes from the trunk of a boswellia tree. People use it as oil on their skin and in aromatherapy as a good smell. Frankincense oil seems to kill some types of bacteria and fungi. It is commonly used in fragrance in soaps, lotions, and perfumes. Now, where does it come in with incense? I, I mean, from my Catholic background, or we did use to use incense in the Catholic Mass. And, and I always, I'm, I'm not sure all the times. I know definitely at funerals we used it. And, and I always was a little, uh, had a love-hate relationship with incense. On the one hand, it had a, an attracting smell. Like, oh, yeah, I smell the incense. And then the other hand, it was revolting. <laughs> you know, like, ugh. You know, those little kids would be like, ooh, get puppy, I can't it. You know, chop, chop, You know, it's like, you know, we're mass. You know, you've got to be cool, you know. But there was like this love-hate relationship with incense. But it's something about the worship of God. When they would burn the sacrifices, it said the fat of the animal would go up as a sweet-smelling savor to God. In the book of Revelation, it says the prayers of the saints are like incense to the nostrils. I know God doesn't have a nose, but yeah, to the nostrils of God. It's like incense goes up to him. And so worship, if we're going to talk about Jesus, this baby, this little child, is God. You worship him. Now, I want to give you a little interesting thing about incense. In the, in the uh, temple worship and tabernacle worship, they, they had to make the incense. Uh, in in uh, Exodus chapter 30, verses 36 to 37 says, In incense which you will make, you shall not, you shall, shall not, oh wait, I want to back up a phrase. I'm down too far. It says, Take fragrant spices, gum, resin, onicha, and galbanum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts. So this was the recipe for making incense if you were going to worship God in the temple. The priest had to make it out of those things in equal amounts. Now it goes on to say, Exodus 30, this is what I started to read, In the incense which you shall make, you shall not make in the same proportions for yourself. It shall be holy to you for the Lord. If anyone uses this same kind of recipe... They will be cut off from the people. And it's like, really? Why is that? Because the worship of God is holy. You don't mess. I mean, God is holy. He, Jesus is God. And he alone shall be worshipped. This year, I, I know, somewhere in our preaching or studies, uh, came up the phrase that God's name was jealous. I'm like, really? That's offensive. I don't want to call God jealous. But that's what the scripture says. His name is Jealous because it says you shall have no other gods before him. No other gods. This, this baby Jesus, this young child who grew to be a man, who gave his life on the cross, who rose again from the dead, is God. You shall have no other gods before him. The wise men said they were warned by God in a dream not to go back to hell. They had to make a decision. Are we going to serve Herod or are we going to serve God who has warned us? Well, what about you? Do you have, is Jesus your number one God? That's what sets us apart from every other religion. Mm-hmm. A lot of other religions will talk about Jesus, a great prophet, a teacher, a do-gooder. But we, only we know him as God. Jesus is God. Do you, do you believe, do you worship him as God? 
And then finally the gift of myrrh. Verse 4 says, Myrrh is mine, a bitter perfume, breathed a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing sign, bleeding dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. Now I can talk to you about myrrh. Louis Giglio has this beautiful two-minute video on myrrh, and, and it talks about the uh, camifera tree. I'll just show the video. Can you watch a two-minute video from Louis Giglio? He's from Passion City Church in, in Atlanta. So just uh, give a quick look to this. The myrrh comes from the camifera tree. It looks like that. It's a thorny tree. It grows in the Arabian Peninsula. It grows in parts of Africa. It grows in India. It's kind of a desert tree. Not super beautiful, a little bit aggressive looking, and not super approachable because of the thorns that are all in it and on it. And the camifera tree, interestingly, when its bark is pierced, it emits its sap. And the sap flows out, as you can see, on to the bark in red drops that are called tears. And the tears harden in a darkish red color. And then they ultimately become what is known as myrrh. The myrrh can be used as an antiseptic. It can be used to cleanse a wound. In Jesus' time, the myrrh was a healing agent, one of the most powerful healing agents you could find. It also could be ground into an incense and then turned into a very uh, aromatic perfume. But its primary use, remember, was to be used as a spice to overwhelm the stench of death. And so the myrrh comes from the conifera tree. Thus the myrrh tree, crowned with thorns, bleeds a healing, death-overcoming flow. Wow. I mean, I could watch that five times. And I've given you in your notes, there's a click for that. I mean, you can, if you're good at YouTube, you can Google that and find that. But uh, myrrh talks about, really, it really points ahead to the sorrow and suffering that Christ would do for you. It gives you God's Son, or Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. It really highlights the Savior aspect of Jesus. How he died on the cross, he sacrificed for me and, and you. And I guess for me the question is, have you surrendered your life to the Lord? Are you willing to suffer for Jesus? And we don't know what's coming. You know, uh, most of us are praying and hoping the Lord will come before any suffering really hits. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're all, they're, if you're going to live for Jesus, you will suffer. There's going to be some challenges. And, and you're going to have to face it. Um, Hebrews 12, 1-4 says, Therefore, since we have this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us. Yes. And let's run the, with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, we always get stopped there, but I want to read the next two verses. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, 
so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse 4, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. How much are you striving to live a holy life? How much are you willing to battle against sin in your own life that you will serve the Lord? The myrrh is a reminder of what Christ suffered for us. Are you willing to suffer with him? Are you willing to live a life with him? Who is this Christ to you? The wise men brought him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's not only what gift do you bring this Christmas, but what gift have you received? Have you received his lordship as king? Have you received his holiness as God? And have you and you worship him? And have you received his saving sacrifice for your sins? What gift do you need to bring today? What gift do you need to present to him as an act of worship? I want to close by just reading Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, and what is good and acceptable and perfect. That is our call, our challenge for the year, for the coming year. That is our call for our lives, to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed. We're going to close with a closing song, and if you need to pray, if you need to bring some gift to this altar rail, you do. Please come. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you for this gift to us. Even as we celebrate the wise men's gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, we thank you for a God, a King, a God, and Savior in Jesus Christ. Our gifts, your gifts, we bring back to you for Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to this message from Oakland Church. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org.